so much passion. There you go. That is Real Around the Fountain by the Smiths. I know, Kel Surprise. And this is David Eastall, and this is The C86 Show. Hello and welcome once again to another epic slice of life as I spin the wheels of steel and all that groovy stuff that you do when you're in your 50s. Because this week we have another exciting special guest. Yes, it is going to be the original, one of the original members of the Marine Girls. Yes, Gina Hartman. So I'll be bringing you four parts. I think it's four parts of the interview. Yes, there is. And I have to say, it's, um, it's a bit of an exciting one. Um, so I'll be bringing that little interview throughout the show, plus tracks, obviously, by the Marine Girls, alongside all the usual top tunes that you've come to expect on this quality show. But because we're feeling very excited and very biased towards the band, I thought we should play, start with their classic. This is A Place in the Sun. Stop. 
Yes, if you say so. There you go. That's the Vaselines and the track called Molly's Lips. And because um, it's going to be a bit of a Kurt Cobain um, theme, slight theme running through this show today, um, because they also, Nevada, um, covered that. And before that, we had <clears throat> the Marine Girls, he says, trying to clear his voice, and a track called Place in the Sun. And that was on um, from the album Lazy Ways. Um, yes, and as you may um, know, because you were paying attention right at the beginning of the show, um, this week it is a Marine Girls special because I caught up with Gina Hartman. He was one of the original members, the founder members of the band. So I'll be bringing that interview throughout the show. This is David Esau. This is the C86 show. And um, if you want to contact me, we always love your messages. You can via Twitter or Facebook go to at C86 show and it will be marvellous, just marvellous. But anyway... Like I said, because we're feeling very sort of um, slightly channeling the spirit of the, the Marine Girls and also Kurt Cobain, and let's face it, the two of them are just basically linked spiritually as well as cosmically, um, I thought we should play something from their first album. This is School. This is uh, from the album Bleach.
Poptastic stuff. There you go. That's Tallulah Gosh in the track called Beat Me Boy, which also features the one and only Amelia Fletcher, who we get very excited by. And also I interviewed her um, for this show many, many months ago. So there you go. If you ever want to hear any of the uh, back catalogue of shows I put together, the C86 show, it's all there somewhere on the internet or actually it's on Mixcloud. So if you go to the Future Radio Listen Again website or Culture Clash Radio, you'll sort of see them. And if you want to contact me, I know I say this quite a few times in the show, you can just go to on Twitter or Facebook at C86 show and I'll be there. And before that, I mustn't forget, we had from the album Bleach School and that was obviously in Nirvana and uh, the Kurt Cobain reference or connection was that um, he mentioned the Marine Girls as one of his favourite bands, artists, albums of all time so there you go and there's a very sweet little bit about uh, Kurt Cobain and Courtney Love that uh, is going to come up on the on, within the interview with Gina Hartman which I'll be bringing with, to you very soon because I don't want to run out but um, because we're feeling very groovy and excited about the Marine Girls I thought we should play another track from their very early album it could be it probably is Beach Party this is All Dressed Up
I think that's what they call fade out. Anyway, that is the specials, as if you wanted to, um, as if you didn't know. And that was a track called Do Nothing. And um, it all makes sense why I play the track by the specials. When you hear the interview with Gina Hartman from the Marine Girls, and um, before that we did have a track from the Marine Girls, which uh, titled All Dressed Up. Anyway, that's this. Um, this is David Eastall, the C86 show, bringing the finest in indie pop. What I'm going to do here is, because I'm aware of the time and not wanting to squeeze all the interviews towards all the four parts of the interview all together at the end and possibly get them edited out, I thought I'd play one track by the Pop Guns. Yes, didn't see that one coming. And then we'll hear the first part of the interview with Gina. But this is Landslide. Perfection, there you go. That's the popping the popping jays. No, it's not, it's the pop guns featuring the one and only Wendy Morgan on vocals, and that came out in nineteen um eighty-nine on the Medium Cool record label. And we do love that. Anyway, like I said, this is gonna be Gina Hartman. And the first part of the interview um that I had with her a few months ago, because I've got a bit of a bad lock, 
backlog. And um, this is where I ask about how the band was formed and started and all those kind of groovy things. Take away Gina. I think we probably started in, I think we started in 1980 when I was 17. Right. So, yeah, because um, yeah, we were, well, three of us were all in sixth form together at school. And, um, and Alice was in, I don't know, two years below us, so she was quite a bit younger. Right. But, yeah, yeah, I think we yeah, started in about 1980. Right. Because cause what, what was the formation of the band and who, who were the sort of the first people in it? Because there's often uh, changes, aren't there, with lineups? Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I'm obviously I'm like the first person to leave, but it was it. Um, it was just initially it was just me and Tracy. Yeah. Um, and we just I, don't know, I think we just oh, mutual love of music. She was already in a band, but I think she she was getting a bit fed up with that band, and right. um, she, um, I, mean, I can't remember who approached who. We said, oh, why don't we like let's let's make a band. Right. So we did. And um, and we called ourselves Marine Girls, and then we did one little. We started doing one little tape together, yeah. but I don't think had Jane on it. It was just initially me and Tracy, and I borrowed some recording equipment from um, my mum's work because she used to work at this place where they used to um, repair um, old cassette recorders and stuff for school. So right. they had a, they had a little a terrible like reel to reel tape thing, and we used that to record a day by the sea on. But I think I'm think we might have started recording, and then Jane joined us. It's like uh, quite a long time ago now. <laughs> <laughs> well, <I laughs> they know. did actually sound like it was underwater because it was such bad quality. Right, but they, but there's a sort of a. I mean, those first few singles that you brought out, especially A Place in the Sun, I mean, does, it has had an amazing amount of plays, hasn't it? When I look at, Spot, when I look at Spotify, because um, a lot of artists have below 1,000, but you, you have a phenomenal amount of monthly listens, and A Place in the Sun has had nearly 300,000 plays, hasn't it? I know, it's actually crazy. I have to actually say, I'm not actually on that single. I just left when they did that single. But oh. it is, I mean, it just... it. I do find it absolutely amazing that that I mean yeah that even looking on looking on you know, when, yeah when you look on Spotify you see how many plays everything's had and like and when you get your little royalty sheets even though it's not a lot of money yes. when you see where you sell albums and and it's like actually quite crazy yes. it's quite it's really interesting and quite amazing because it's so long ago yes well i just i noticed that um that your your fan base in america is bigger than anywhere else and you know from brooklyn to the to los angeles manhattan and chicago and this is a monthly kind of um play so so obviously people are still in love with the with the sound even though you might have said the the quality might have been a bit sort of um yeah. <laughs> interesting but for the moment it was fantastic and there was something quite beautiful because obviously there was a sort of a bit of a harshness with the punk period wasn't there and and sort of by the late 70s like most scenes it it kind of loses its kind of um yeah I don't know something it sort of loses its way to put it nicely yeah just kind of went off the boil a bit and all the bands that we I think the bands that we really like like Buzzcocks and that they weren't doing such good singles and they weren't so immediate yes but I know I suppose at that time I suppose it was like, um, I think we all really, really liked the specials. <laughs> Seems a bit weird now, but they were they were quite exciting. But you are right, yeah, everything yes. was kind of like, yeah, the initial kind of like excitement was kind of wearing off at that time. 
So true about life in general. Anyway, that's the first part of my interview with Gina Hartman from the Marine Girls, where we um, talked about the formation of the band. But don't worry, there's still another three parts of that interview to come. And um, because we're still feeling very groovy towards the Marine Girls, this is a track called Honey, and this is from the album, I think it's Beach Party, but it could be Lazy Ways. You see, those two albums got put together and released, I think, on Cherry Red Records. But anyway, just sit back and enjoy it. It's amazing. You can't fault it, can you? Anyway, that was a track called Honey, and that was the Marine Girls. And this is the second part of my interview with Gina Hartman from the band, where we talk about the creative process and songwriting. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think um, I feel like you're interviewing the wrong person, actually. I didn't write anything. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but um, yeah, Jane and Tracy were really quite prolific. And I don't think, I mean, Jane's all, I mean, Jane was quite Englishy, but Tracy was really into. I think she's just really into writing anyway. So I think songs came quite easily to her. Right. And, uh, she is quite a poetic kind of person. Well, yes. And obviously it sort of started to sort of develop when she did um, her next musical combo, Everything But The Girl. Yeah. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yes, which author. Were you, were you kind of surprised? Because obviously, like you said, you were in the band for a year. So were, were yeah. you sort of surprised that the, the Marine Girls went for another two years after that? Kind of, yeah, because I mean, even when, like when I, when I was like, just before I left, there was kind of like a slight, yeah, slight gratingness, I suppose. And I, I suppose it was kind of inevitable that it would probably fall apart with us, with just the kind of like geological, like, um, like the, the way that we were, they were geologically placed in the, in England with Tracy miles away up 
in Hull, yes. Jane in Brighton, and Alice at school. Yes, like, it's like a tri- triangle of like of where they were. You know, you think, oh, it's practically going to be impossible to keep this going. So it didn't kind of really surprise me. I do remember actually being really upset when I saw Jane on the cover of Melody Maker really soon after I'd left. Like, oh, no, what a bad move. God, oh yes, I could imagine those moments because yeah. you, yeah. you know, because with a lot of bands, and you probably sort of see them now, sort of coming along. And there's an awful lot of um, singer-songwriters in in the eastern region, and and most don't go beyond sort of just playing a few, you know, like I suppose there's a lot of coffee bars and little venues now, but yeah. they don't really, you know, I mean, very few make it. So I suppose with bands like the Marine Girls, I mean, it was just amazing that. You know, not only did it sort of happen, but also, you know, you have over 30, nearly, I suppose it's getting in for sort of 35 years of being together. Um, yeah, I know. I think um, I think a lot of it was just, I think, I don't know whether we were just lucky, but I think we did sound quite different. And I think we were very fortunate in the fact that we had Pat who recorded us to start with. And then obviously just a, a fluke of, of supporting um the TV personalities and, and Dan liking us and then us being on his record label. So, I mean, the, the album's been on, like, three record labels, really. But um, I think, yeah, I, I, I still think it sounds really different. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, it's interesting because, you know, in a way, I sort of, I suppose that was around 83 was obviously when the band was coming to an end. But that was when I started, I suppose, getting much more into John Peel and buying the NME. Yeah. And sort of getting into sort of much more of an alternative scene. So it was hmm. funny that the Marine Girls were a little bit, I always thought, were a bit of ahead of their time because actually, you know, a lot of bands sort of came along and were probably very influenced by the sound and the ethos of the band. Yeah, a lot a lot of people have said that to me, actually. I think um, I seem think, I think to remember Stephen Pastel saying to me, like, hearing us, like, sing in our normal voices and... Um, and you know, and not particularly well. Like it, it kind of made him think that oh well, I can do that. Indeed, yes, the Marine Girls were right out there at the beginning. So um, well done. But um, as if you need me to say that. Anyway, um, that was the second part of my interview with Gina from the Marine Girls. We've still got another two, but um, sadly, in the last couple of weeks, one of my, um, I suppose, one of my favourite bands of the eighties, Huskadoo, uh, one of the members, Grant Hart, passed away, which was a bit of a shock and so very sad. And um, it was one of those bands that was the soundtrack to my, um, well, one of the many soundtracks of the eighties. And this was the first song that I heard, which John Peel played many decades ago, and I went out and bought the 12-inch, and this is Sorry Somehow.
There you go, the unmistakable sound of Huskadoo in the track called Sorry Somehow. And that was from their 1986 album Candy Apple Grey. And uh, very sad to hear that Grant Hart died recently, one of my favourite bands of the 80s, and certainly at the soundtrack. Anyway, this is David Eastall keeping the party rocking and rolling. And like I said, this week my special guest was Gina Hartman from the Marine Girls. And this is the third part of my interview with her, where we talk about Kurt Cobain. Oh, and you know, I absolutely love that. Uh, it was really sweet. But the funny, the the funny thing is, when I actually think about it, it shouldn't have been too much of a shock because um, uh, there's like a strong connection. I come from a place called Hartford, um, and um, the first person that like that put us on a record, he um, he also is a friend from Hartford, and um, there's a strong connection between. Hartford and um, K Records, right, and another little label that was in Hartford. So, I'm because my friend who I'm in a band with now, I remember he he went round to Kirk Cobain's house and um and Kurt said to him that he liked Marine Girls, but um I I I don't know I kind of it wasn't kind of like on my radar at that time but I suppose you know it shouldn't have been, been a complete shot because there was that there was that connection because um, I, I think um, um, Kelvin is um, yes that's right yeah he's, Kelvin's got that connection with, with Hartford in fact because we played a gig with him about well, last year I think yeah we played a gig with him in, in actually in Hartford it was the anniversary of, of him playing in this little church hall with uh, with the legend oh, brilliant. and uh, and the and the Vaselines. oh because I was thinking all the way through that conversation because because I I remember I managed to interview Kurt Cobain when and Nirvana when they came to um, Norwich on that first tour I think it was in oh, yeah. 89 and they were supporting Tad that was when they were on the Subway record label yeah. and he mentioned the Vaselines and it was one of those bands when I went oh no I have never heard of them so I had to go and listen to them and again you know I was quite impressed that um, the band you know they were even though they were from Seattle that we were absolutely obsessed with this Scottish indie band so yeah yeah Yes. I think um, I think some of that also is to down to um, Everett True because he did that first. I think he um, didn't he interview them first for um, well, I think when he wrote for I think he used to write for Melody Maker. Yes, and he went on their first tour with them, but he already he knew us through um, the TV personalities. Right, um, and I think um, Everett. I think uh, Everett, I think Everett actually introduced Kurt Cobain to to Courtney Love. Right. But, um, <laughs> yeah, I find actually my favourite my favourite Kurt anecdote is um, Toby Vale told me that her and Kurt used to listen to the Marine Girls outside and like look at the stars, and that's the most romantic thing ever. <laughs> It definitely is, actually. There you go. That was the third part of my interview with Gina Hartman from the Marine Girls, and I've got one more bit which is going to be a bit of a tearjerker, so um, prepare for the uh, tissues, because that's when we talk about when she leaves the band. But before that, better the interview, we'll play another track by the Marine Girls, and this is Times We Used to Spend. See you. 
track by the Marine Girls and there's a track called Times We Used to Spend. Now this is the fourth and final part of my interview with Gina where we talk about um, that moment when she decides to leave the band. That was, that's, how I, uh, that's how I ended my Marine Girls uh, career in a call, giving, them, giving them a call from down the road in a phone box. Oh was it? Yeah that's very sad. Oh. A very sad day. And had you decided you know for a while you know had it been on your mind for a while that you were going to finish it? No, no, no. It was some kind of like teenage whirl of um, just suddenly throwing the towel in, and then, obviously, then in an extremely ridiculous teenage fashion, not actually bothering to tell anybody why you'd left and that why you were upset, and just that was it. I've shut the door, and I'm not coming back. Oh, no. This is actually ridiculous. Probably if I'd have told them, it would have all been fine. But when you're like, I don't know, I think I felt quite young. <laughs> and, yes. uh, and that was it. And what was the reason for you leaving the band? Oh, it was a ridiculously sad reason, actually. It was, um, I lived in the middle of nowhere and um, I couldn't get the band practices very easily. And my parents would never give me lifts. I was reliant on like public transport. And um Sometimes when I I couldn't go, they used to think that was me, like being a, like just you know not caring and not turning up, and it was just purely that I couldn't I couldn't get there. And I'm, I think um, I thought that one of Alice's friends was was like filling in for me, and I thought she was going to take my place. I thought, oh, this is just too much to bear. I just kind of I just stopped being in the band. Right. Oh, it's dear. a very sad. It's a very sad story. But I, I mean, I can kind of empathise empathise because you do sort of have these kind of internal conversations to yourself, thinking that um, people want you out, and then you think, well, I'll just go then. And um... that's what I thought. I thought, oh, <laughs> they want her to be in the band because I can't get there, and it's not my fault. Yes. And that was it. But yeah, and the rest is. Yeah, history. History. But anyway, it's good that you're still sort of well in touch with Jane and Alice. Anyway. Oh no, it's yeah, it's really yeah, it's really good. I mean, like I spoke with Tracy quite recently, and um, yeah, it's quite yeah, it's really it's really lovely actually. Especially as we were, you know, we were all quite close when we were at school, and it is a long time to be 
you, I mean, you can never help but have that link with those people, even if you didn't get on with them. But fortunately, we all we all still get on, which is really lovely. Fantastic. And it's nice that you still play music, because actually um, a few months ago I interviewed Amelia Fletcher from Tallulah Gosh, and yeah. it was really nice, because obviously her academic career is quite bonkers, really. Yeah, and, and, but she still wants to be in a band or various bands, and you know I just think it's really lovely that um, she obviously when she's not doing academia or any other things, yeah. she plays in a band that's that's not sort of about to sort of employ the, you know the royal you know philharmonic know. orchestra. You know it's just still quite <laughs> it still sounds a bit like Taluna Gosh, which is like oh yes that's really nice actually. In, sort of, yeah, in fact she played she was playing with us the gig that we played with um, um, Calvin. Right. The little, the little the little anniversary gig. She played that gig with us. It was in a um uh the first Quaker meeting house in the world. <laughs> it's a very odd place for a gig, but amazing place for a gig actually. And there you go. That was um the last part of my interview with Gina Hartman who was the founder member of the Marine Girls. And uh, I'd like to give a big thank you for giving me the time for that interview. And um yes. It's been interesting interviewing all these bands over the last few months because um, hearing the journey of people getting together, doing their creative thing, and then how it slightly all goes sl- a bit sort of top lopsided and things slightly fall off, the wheels fall off, and um, they have to pick themselves up again. But um, yes, an honest interview. Thank you ever so much, Gina, for that. And um, I will play one more track by the Marine Girls before, um, well, I think I can play a few more tracks. But before the end, let's have On My Mind. Get home, slam my door and shut the world. 
There you go. That's the Marine Girls on a track called On My Mind. And that's, um, yes, absolutely poetry there. Poetry to music and uh, obviously featuring Tracy Thorne and I think the Fox sisters, Jane and Alice. But um, by then, I think Gina had left. Anyway, thank you ever so much, Gina, for giving me the time for that interview. And this sadly brings the show to a close. I've been David Eastall. Thank you ever so much for listening. And um, if you want to get in touch, you can via Twitter or Facebook. Go to at C86show and I'll be there. And as always, I'll be bringing you much more exciting, not much more, the same usual high quality music for next week and the week after because I've still got lots of special guests. But to uh, round off the show, I thought we'd play something by Tom Waits. This is In the Neighbourhood from the album Swordfish Trombones. All the eggs chase the bacon the wild and dark pigeons are the steeple bell and the dogs took the garbage bells over last night and there's always construction work bothering Oh